Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bare Necessities podcast. We're happy you're back joining us, even though we did have a slight bit of technical difficulties before getting into the show. Uh, we had to resort back to the old reliable 2011 classic hit Skype uh, over FaceTime, cons- considering FaceTime just has uh, an enormous amount of bugs. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. It's it's not running perfectly for me today, but yeah, we have old reliable and you know, I don't know how many of our listeners have experience with Skype, but I'd venture to say probably a good number of them. And mm-hmm. man, it's it's really kind of uh it's a little bit of a relic of the past at this point. At least at least that's the way I feel, but I could be off. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what's actually the worst video streaming platform though? And I, I don't mean to slander Meta, the new Facebook company. But uh, the Facebook Messenger video chat, I, I talk with one of my friends on it, and it just has perpetual issues. I it, it's it's incredible, <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that um, I, I haven't had experience with that. I do hate when I receive um, either regular calls or um, video calls on Snapchat. That oh yeah. I don't. I'd, yeah. if you get for blocked, any reason if just if don't contact that, me that yeah way. yeah just don't just stop contacting me at all after that like that's <laughs> that's egregious i don't know why anyone would do that but anyways man the bears another victory week it seems like the bears always do a great job of cleaning up at the end of the season when nothing matters uh, you know, last year we we had that huge losing streak in the middle of the season. We almost had an even bigger one this year if it wasn't for that. Uh, what was it like the Raiders game that we won? I I can't remember. Um, well, there, that was at the beginning of the season, but yeah, yeah, there were there the were a Lions couple game. Oh yeah, saved it. the the two Lions games in the middle, man. Those really uh, those really helped us a, a little bit. Uh, but we we finally get another win. This time against the Gleninator Giants, man. Uh, I I think it was funny because in a previous podcast, we talked about how the Bears have literally played Mike Glennon every single year since Matt Nagy's been here and since Glennon has left the team. Uh, I think the first year in 20, sorry, in 2018, we played him against the Cardinals. In 2019, he was on the Raiders. I think he took a snap or two in that game. I can't remember if he was just on the sidelines, uh, but that was the one victory his team had over us. And then last year, we were lucky enough to draw him on the Jaguars. And then the year after that, uh, is this year and we get him on the Giants and man, what a, what a, just a terrible showing, man, that Giants team. I mean, we can talk about all the good things about the bears in a minute, but if you want to talk about a team that should make the bears feel a lot better about themselves, it's the Giants. Cause even if Daniel Jones was playing, man, I don't know how different the outcome would have been truthfully. Like, I think it would have been a pretty similar outcome. Maybe they get a touchdown or get to like 13 points or something like that. But, you know, Daniel Jones has fumble issues, too. Glennon was terrible. I mean, that man is a complete statue. Um, Literally no awareness in the pocket, which I'm not really sure how he has that ability to be so bad after he has so much NFL experience. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, they're they're a truly bad football team. I mean, I was watching the game and you know, and to get the safety in the way that they did too, just like two straight running plays yeah. where they almost didn't make it out. It was just like, oh you, man, you kind of knew his safety was coming at that yeah. point. Like in my head, I'm exactly. like, we're definitely gonna get a safety here because it's just you you can't even imagine it. And the fact that like one of the I see, I always 
honestly, I, I can't say that I have any experience being a head offensive play caller for an NFL team. That being said, <laughs> I, I find it very interesting that there isn't a little more creativity with run with NFL teams when they're playing in the back of their end zone. Like, I feel like even what might be safer than a run play is a quick pass or like a screen pass. Um, but I, I guess you never really out of the that. gun at least. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that, as long as as long as there's no free releases, you should be okay. Or just have your running back have him uh, be an eligible receiver and just stick right in the pocket. So if a someone's coming at you, just throw the ball at the ground and it counts as a, a pass attempt. Like I don't know. I, uh, I it, it's kind of interesting. You have to I have to say. But yeah, man, this Giants team is just awful. Like I feel terrible. I mean, the Giants did win two Super Bowls somewhat recently. But, like, I just, as a Giants fan, I don't know what I'd feel good about. Like, maybe Kadarius Toney, which, was he even playing this week? I have no clue. If he was on the field, then uh, I didn't see him once. Uh, I, I guess, you know, Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator, is a great defensive coordinator. But he's probably going to become a head coach this year. Uh, or at least have some good looks at that. But it's like, where talent-wise can you even say this Giants roster is good? Yeah, I'm not not in too many places, unfortunately. I think that um, you know they've had some bad luck. I know Kenny Galladay was quite lauded in the off season, but he hasn't been able to be on the field. For Forgot them they even had him. <laughs> like we all. watched an entire game with them on. And I think his name got called one time, and it was for like a screen pass. Yeah, so it was just. I mean, ultimately, all receivers in that past game were just not getting <laughs> anything, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. with Glennon. He what he completed like two three passes or something like that well like, I don't know. at the half he had two pass attempts even though it, that was kind of <laughs> it's kind of weird how pass attempts go down because technically if you go to a passing set and you just don't throw the ball it's a pass it's not considered a pass attempt which is i guess a little weird statistically when you think about that um but it makes sense logic wise but yeah, he had like two pass attempts for like negative four yards at the half. I th- I can't even imagine what he finished with. But if you broke down his passes, it was like almost every single pass something was happening. It was like we were watching the 2018 Bears, man. Like, oh it, yeah, it's incredible. And like the true takeaway I want to take from this game is just like, man, despite the lack of talent on this team, this defense is fairly good. You know, like they're, they're a fairly good team. They don't have Khalil Mack. I think it re- we really need to give a lot of credit to Sean Desai, you know, and I want to give another shout out to Eddie Jackson as well. We called him out a little bit at the beginning of the season, missing a lot of tackles. I don't think he's missed a tackle since like week three. And he's been incredible with the pass defense. I, I think Eddie Jackson has proved a lot of people wrong. He's not getting those picks, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I think down the stretch, it's been pretty impressive for Desai. I I like what he's done for the most part. Um, I do think that it's easy to say with this Bears team, like, look where the money is, and a lot of the money is on defense. Um, Yeah, of course. But in a game like this, I mean, you are playing Mike Glennon, so you have to keep that into perspective. But, you know, Khalil Mack is out. Um, You have a number of other defensive starters that were not playing in this game where a lot of money is going towards. So even throughout the course of the season, towards the latter half of the year, when Akeem Hicks has been out and Khalil Mack and, you know, we've seen, you know, players like Eddie Jackson kind of be in and out at times as well. I think he's done a good job at managing that. And especially what we saw um, in the Vikings week where, you know, he held that Vikings passing game in check. 
um, you know, despite being down the vast majority of the secondary. Terrible secondary. Like, guys you never even heard of. I think D. Virgin, who just got cut today, by the way. Yeah, uh, I think he got waived. He got waived. I, I think that he, like, started that game. He was like a starter. There, there were guys that I legitimately had no clue who they were that started that game. Um, I think that a big reason why this defense kind of cleaned itself up, tr- too, has been the emergence of Artie Burns, man. Like, the first game that Vildor got benched in, was the Lions game on Thanksgiving. And Artie Burns got burnt bad that game on one play. And I was like, man, this is going to be just like Vildor. This is terrible. But since that point, Artie Burns has been playing fantastic, man. Like, he's been playing great. I have rarely even noticed that he was out there. And then Vildor in the slot has been so much better than Duke Shelley, which is like, yeah, I mean, Vildor should have always been a slot cornerback. Like, it just yeah. his makeup is a slot cornerback. I think he can be a good slot cornerback. But Vildor is playing well enough that Thomas Graham hasn't been getting a whole bunch of opportunities. Yeah, and I think that Thomas Graham could do well in that, um, you know, nickel, your nickel or dime kind of role where it is that slot cornerback role. Um, I also do think that maybe just because of his mold and the skill set, he could be someone that's a little bit better apt for that second cornerback position um, in comparison to someone like Kendall Vildor. But yeah, Vildor is someone that should have been playing inside. And when you think about, um, you know, a lot of the perspective that we have on him, I know that a lot of Bears fans, you know, look down on him for his performance, which rightfully so on the outside, he's struggled a bit. But when he's playing in the slot, he's able to showcase some of his skill sets better where Maybe he's not always the best on the ball, but he's great at making sure tackles um, and bringing down the receiver when he has the first opportunity to. So I think he's looked better in the slot. And I think Artie Burns, he was someone that, you know, going back to the 2020 training camp, we were very excited for, at least in the fact that he was someone that was a former first round draft prospect, just kind of had a. Had an odd career. He's dealt with injuries, and of course, he had that season-ending ACL, I believe, that happened in training camp slash preseason, and that knocked him out for the whole year. Bears decided to bring him back, and we finally get to see him in some action this year. And I think he's done well. I mean, when you think about the amount of amount of football that he hasn't played over the past two mm-hmm. years, and you think about what it's going to take to get him back in the playing form, I think he's done fairly well. And it's just Tore unfortunate. His ACL last year too. We didn't even yeah. think about that. It's unfortunate that, you know, we don't once again, we're kind of heading into 2022 and we still don't quite have the full readout on him. But it's probably a lot more positive than, you know, than it was going into it. So he's done a good job as well. Well, I definitely want us to give him a second contract with us. Like we I mean, actually, technically, we he did get a second contract after he tore his ACL because he was only on a one year deal. But man, he has played really, really good. And he's like a big physical guy. I mean, there's been a couple times where he gets like some really nice pass breakups or got some really nice tackles or whatever it may be. Like he has actually made an impact on this team. And I think maybe he's the Prince of Mukamara to the Kyle Fuller, you know? Like may like <laughs> you know, you get what I'm saying? Like maybe he's that guy that. where you're like he's hitting that second stint in his career, still young as can be. I think he's only like twenty-six, uh, considering how long I mean, I feel like Artie Burns has been in this league forever. Um, but he's only like twenty-six years old, kind of just crazy. Um 
So, you know, I, I think that we should give him another contract and it just bring some guys in to see if they can outplay him. And if they do, good. If they don't, all right, well, that's fine. I, I feel fairly comfortable with him. We have the fourth ranked pass defense. A lot of that is due to how good our edge rushers have been, even in the absence of Khalil Mack. I mean, you have to think that this defense has is leading is sorry, second in the league in sacks, and we don't have our best edge rusher. Played most of the season without Akeem Hicks. Um, just crazy, man. And I also want to give a shout out to Travis Gibson. The first sack that he had that caused the force fumble that had a score, uh, within the first 20 seconds of the game, even though we kicked the ball off to the giants, uh, it was, it was just complete, like, he was a free rusher. I don't know exactly what was occurring there or why the, what protection the Giants called because that just didn't make any sense. But the second one, man, he actually got around the, the uh, left tackle, and he's been playing uh, on the left tackle most of the year. So he's going up mostly against the best tackle for each team, and he has six and a half sacks this season, man. I mean, I remember when we were talking about Leonard Floyd, I think he topped off at like six and a half, seven and a half sacks uh, in his career with the Bears. So great pick by Ryan Pace. I mean, just even having him as a rotational guy right now. Yeah, six and a half sacks as a rotational guy. I, I forgot to mention that as well. I think that pick has always looked to me like someone that was kind of being groomed to be the the heir apparent, if you yeah. will. Someone that was picked at a right time where, you know, Ryan Pace very well knew that this defensive front was aging and that this mm-hmm. 2022 contract year would be coming where there are some players that you, know, you might have to make some tough decisions to move you know, on from. And Travis Gibson has done a good job in the opportunities that he's had. I, I think that he's made impacts quite a few times he's on the field. There's been a couple games here and there where you know I've noticed him on the field and maybe he's not making as much of an impact, but... It's tough when you're a rotational guy to consistently get into the the groove of things. And I think he's definitely had, you know, more than a few moments where he's where he's really shined. And you know, I think even a player like Angelo Blackson too is someone mm-hmm. that also kind of shows out in kind of unsuspecting moments. It always seems like to me the Gibson sacks, Blackson sacks will kind of catch me off guard, but then you really think about it, you're like, ah, oh, these players are making an impact on a on a lot of plays and getting good push in the case of Angelo Blackson. I think that Gibson also just brings a little bit of a different style of pass rush. I mean, we see it with Khalil Mack mm-hmm. and just that sheer power, but I think Gibson brings a little bit of that that we are lacking in right now now that Khalil Mack is out. It's insane to me just how good Ryan Pace has been at getting these random guys off the street in free agency and having them be great pass rushers for us. You know, like it's yeah. just it's it's truly incredible. Like that really is Ryan Pace's strong suit is building defense. I know he played linebacker in college at Eastern Illinois, but like and I, he's probably more familiar with defensive scouting. But it's like just like even when you think back to like, I mean think about like Roy Robertson Harris, how good he was for us, you know, or even like Brent urban where he was just like this random guy that we pick up and, and contributes on defense. You know, another player that's been completely underrated this season. And it's mostly because of the position he plays. Kyrus Tonga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's pretty much benched Eddie Goldman. Eddie Goldman plays like one out of every three snaps. Yeah. It's pretty nuts when you think about it. And he has been very much in there. And it's just, yeah, like you said, because of position, but Man, on run plays, he's coming up and making and making big plays. And even to get into the backfield and get a sack is huge from that position. So we've hard seen it on a, zero we've seen it on a couple of different occasions. He, he's just a big guy too, you know. Um, 
Yeah, he's There's huge. There's no getting around it. <laughs> he's, he's bigger than Goldman, I think. And Goldman was massive, man. Um, I think as far as, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about the offseason coming up. But, like, as far as guys that I think that the Bears might be looking to cut, Goldman's going to be one of them. Um, just, like, a lot of questionable things out of him. I know that he did have some uh, character issues coming out of Florida State that were kind of led to him slipping out of the first round. I think we ended up drafting him in like the second round or whatever it may be. Um, but you know, it has, it, it has to be mentioned that it was a little kind of hilarious that he sat out the entire, uh, 2020 season and then comes back to the NFL, doesn't get vaccinated and instantly gets COVID. I mean, like how, like it's how silly is that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know that it is, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you quite explain that situation. It's almost just kind of been, uh, an odd slip into not irrelevance, but something similar to that. You know, he just kind of he's slowly fading, fading away. <laughs> he was he was great in 2018, but I, I don't know. I don't know if he really wants to be great anymore. Um, but anyways, we got to bring up Robert Quinn breaking the Bears all time sack record. Um, I mean, I have to say it, man. I think he should be in consideration for comeback player of the year this year. I think he might even win it, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, who else? I've, yeah i mean i guess unless they want to go with someone that had like a major injury and then bounce back i got like you definitely say joe carson burrow Wentz, uh, yeah joe burrow carson Wentz, maybe and you know they're gonna give favoritism to the quarterback but i don't i feel like joe burrow was just so young like you can't i mean i guess because he had the injury but can you really even say they had like a comeback year i just feel like it was just like a next step in his development um yeah man. i hear you I mean, it's it's tough to always call on those awards, but I think that the one thing that is cemented is the record. And, um, you know, it was good that he did it in 16 games. I think Dent somewhere kind of made the comment that he did it in 10. <laughs> starting, <but. laughs> Yeah, starting in 10 games. Yeah, something like that. But, <laughs> I mean, it's still incredibly impressive. And, and the season that Robert Quinn has had, and honestly the consistency that, he had, the consistency that he's had from going from a year where he literally had a sack in the first and then the last game, and then now putting together a, a, you know, a season where he's getting sacks in just about every game, um, if not multiple sacks, and having an impact while doing it, getting a forced fumble as well. So honestly, you, there's nothing not to like about it. And man, I, I have to come out and flat out say that you know a lot of the things that we said in the past year and kind of in the build up to the season definitely called out someone like Robert Quinn saying he needed to have a big season and. You know, by no means are the struggles that the Bears are having this year related to what Robert Quinn has done on the football field. Yeah, I mean, he's been crazy. I mean, I I can't even think of the last time someone signed a free agent edge rusher that ended up having 18 sacks with a game to go left in the season. He might hit that 20 sack. He might hit that 20 sack number. Um, that'd be crazy. It doesn't look like he's going to have any shot at the sack title, unfortunately, because T.J. Watt had four and a half sacks in a game last night. Um, which is just incredible, incredible. I mean, he's such a good player, um, but still just what, what a thing. And and then here's the real question though, is like Robert Quinn's getting up there in age. I mean, he's like 31, uh, or I don't know if he's 31 or going to be 31 next season, but like, what do the bears do this off season? You know, like he has, to be fair, he has a great deal for the level of productivity he has. I think the Bears are paying him like $14 million a year, which is just like crazy for a player that's in the conversation for the sack title. Like, 
do you think the Bears should trade him or do you, should we keep him because he doesn't look like he's slowing down at all? Uh, what do we what do we do? And if we do trade him, what would the return be? Yeah, I think that, you know, with basically presuming that someone like Akeem Hicks is done and, and walking away from this team, um, which is sad to see, I think that you can afford to keep someone like Robert Quinn. I think, you know, of course, if the right trade deal comes across and it's hard to pass up, then I think that you you look at the future of the team and you, and you go for it. But at the same time, I think that you can kind of sit there and be pretty comfortable with not moving him i mean it's okay to have a few veteran pieces that carry over in kind of these transition years that we're in um so i can't fault them too much you know the contract it's not super small but at the same time like you said for the productivity that he's giving us this year at least um you really can't fault them for keeping him out on a contract like that so i think ultimately fine you go ahead and keep him unless you know this great opportunity kind of knocks it whether it be around draft time or, or right here at the end of the season or as free agency opens or something like that but and know, what, do, I, what do you think we can get what's his exact age again i know he's in his 30s he's like but. he's right now i think he's 30 or 31 okay so i think like I mean, truthfully he probably has like three years left of, of being pretty good because you have to think ed rushers are getting a little they're 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 lasting a little longer than they used to. You yeah. Know? You figure you can at least get a third for them, right? I was thinking you know? even way higher. I think that the like Bears might. I think they might be able to get a second and a third for him. Okay. From like, I, think, of, think of a team that's like really trying to make a run at it, like the Bills. Like if you're a, yeah, the Bills and because if I was, if I personally, if I was the Bills GM, I saw a guy that was in contention for the sack record on a team that's like lowest in the league in sacks and really trying to make a run at it before they're before they get off of Josh Allen's rookie contract. Why Fair would enough. you know like why why get yeah. a random pass rusher in the draft? What and the, the other uh, person that I look at that just got traded, Von Miller. Von Miller. I mean, if we want to be honest, he hasn't been that productive in a couple of years now. Yeah. And he's still getting a lot of attention, obviously, from defenses, but he's a similar age to Robert Quinn. And Robert Quinn, I mean, he just he just gets sacks, man. That's just what he's done his entire career. He set the sack record for two different franchises now. I mean, yeah, it's, which it's is cra- unbelievable. Yeah, that's crazy. That, he that could, shows longevity and productivity, which is is nuts. But he could yeah, be I mean, in the I Hall think- of Fame conversation if we're being completely honest here, man. Like when you, I think at the yeah. end of the day, when Robert Quinn. Even though he was never that like upper echelon, like top edge rusher, I don't think that people thought he could potentially be when he was drafted. He has been just productive his entire career. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, I mean, if you're going to put someone like Julius Peppers in there, I feel like you can make a, a conversation for similar for players Robert Quinn. as far as like longevity. I mean, not Julius, what Julius Peppers did longevity wise is just incredible, but. Like, yeah. you know, as far I think Robert Quinn was more productive for was and more consistent. To, yeah. I mean, well, well, of course, he had last year, which he doesn't exactly look great. But Peppers had a couple of years like that, too. I mean, there was even times on the Carolina Panthers with Julius Peppers got people were questioning his future because he put in like a three or four sack year. Yeah. You know, after being like the sack leader in the league. So, yeah, well, Yeah. I don't know. I would not be mad if the Bears keep him. Um, although, if there is opportunity to get a second and third from him, be kind of hard pressed if they pass. I would that probably up. take it. I'd probably take <laughs> it. So, 
Yeah. Well, here's a here's a here's the other question. I, I think I texted you this during the game. Do you think that when the Bears inevitably fire Matt Nagy this offseason, which I do think is an inevitability, do you think that Desai will at least get an interview for the head coaching position? I think it's too early. He's had one year as the DC, you know. Yeah. I, I think that um I, I do like what he's done and you know, I would like to retain him. I'd like to have the ability to go ahead and keep him in that role unless unless the Bears can nab like a Vic Fangio back from defensive coordinator. That was a question I was about to ask as well. If Vic Fangio comes available, wants to come back to the Bears, do you stick with Desai or you go with him? I think that's honestly it's tougher than it appears, right? You obviously mm-hmm. my mind jumps to you go with the experience, you go with someone that produced that great year that was twenty eighteen, but we don't really know quite what Desai can turn into and having someone that's young and capable, you know, do you stray away from that? I think it's tough. I, I think that you'd probably ultimately lean towards um, going back to Fangio. Mm. Um, well-respected name. He's definitely going to bring um, some personnel in the doors too. There's going to be people that want to play for that Vic Fangio defense, mm-hmm. which is of course has an appeal. Uh, but I do think that Desai, if Desai is your second choice, then that's definitely a pretty strong second choice. I think it's too early for head coach. If they want to go ahead and sit him in a meeting and go ahead and give him the experience or give him the, the shot at it and say, Hey, maybe this is something that even if we decide to pass on, on it, on you, um, at this position right now, we can look towards the future for it. Um, that's great. But. I think that just after one year of defensive coordinator and, and with all the money, even though with the injuries the Bears have had, all the money that they put into this defense, mm-hmm. it's still quite tough to tell, you know, what exact mark Desai has had. Yeah, I think honestly, if we even if we had the shot at Fangio, I might stick with Desai, man. Like, I like what Desai is doing. I think he is bringing a, another level of innovation as far as when it comes to like the defensive backs. And like creating sacks and creating turnovers. Like I've seen a much Fangio is a Fangio is an absolutely great defensive coordinator, but I I did have a, a couple criticisms of his defense, like how quickly they'd go into prevent defense and how like it, they'd go into this bend, bend don't break mentality against certain teams. I mean, I, I remember very specifically when we were at the Vikings Bears game where Eddie Jackson had that pick six. Towards the end of the game. It, the Vikings still had a little bit of a chance to come back from that. And we we're already in prevent defense. I was like, why are we going into this so early? It's so weird to me. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I like Desai. I, I think it might be that, that being said, if Desai is a good defensive coordinator over the next couple of years, he's probably going to get a, sh- a shot at a head coaching job, especially given how young he is. Um, but I mean, I I can't say that I'd also be that upset if we brought Fangio back. <laughs> I think ultimately it's just the fear of like losing another Staley, right? Mm-hmm. That's ultimately where it stems from. Is people are like, oh, Brandon Staley was on this Bears team, you know, makes the shift over to the Rams, and then becomes head coach, and you know, so far it's looking pretty good for them. So I I get that understanding, but I just think that. At least, at least for next season's outlook, thrusting design to that position, I don't think would be very beneficial. As for what it looked like two to three years down the road, I can't really tell you right now. But I think he's a great coordinator, and I'll leave it at that right now. Yeah, good point. All right, man. Well, uh, I think it's about time we talk about Justin Fields, man. We've talked so much about 
the head coach and all the issues with it that, you know, this episode, we're going to try to stay away from it because we can understand that gets a little annoying, but I saw some straight up slander about Justin Fields from some people uh, on Twitter, which I find so weird considering the only game he's played since that incredible Steelers comeback game has been the entire game has been the Vikings game, which he didn't even play that bad in. Um, And I just think it's weird. I think that, uh, people are starting to focus a little too much on like certain statistical aspects of fields and they're starting to lose focus on like the bigger picture. Um, but anyways, I saw a, a, a Packers beat reporter by the name of Peter Bukowski. We talked about him a little bit last season. Um, he, he brought up the fact that Justin Fields is two and eight uh, when he's the starting quarterback and the Bears are four and two when uh, when the other quarterbacks are starters. Um <laughs> I think that's a very, very uh, baseline analysis of what's going on, especially when you consider like his starts. You don't even like look at, okay, what games did he actually finish? Um, so firstly, uh, to break this down a little bit, Fields is actually uh, either three and seven or three and six when he actually finishes the game. And the other QBs are like three and three right now. Uh, and, and the other QBs, uh, they, they beat, uh, uh, the, the, the daunted Seahawks, Giants and Lions. Uh, I think it's a very baseline analysis. What are you saying? Yeah, I think, it, <laughs> I think it's very, uh, considering Fields face like, the Browns, the Raiders, the Packers twice, the Bucks, the 49ers, playoff teams. Um, it's it's just it's way too baseline. And as someone that works for PFF, you'd think that they would at least go a little bit deeper into the analysis with that. Um, and then I saw a lot of Bears fans, uh, you know, going back at that. Um, we need to remember that the the teams that Fields lost to obviously were the Browns and the Bucks, which were the most egregious games. But the 49ers, he actually tied the game for the Bears, and then the defense let it up as kind of time expired, let the 49ers put up a late touchdown. And same with the Steelers, like two of those losses. In the Vikings game, Fields played pretty well, I think personally. So I guess right now, like where do you where do you stand with Fields? I I feel extremely confident with with Fields. I'm very happy we drafted him still. I'm, I'm happy that we drafted him. I mean, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't feel like he still has a little bit to prove. I think that he needs to show still a little bit of that maturation and getting the ball away. You know, making that second to the third read at times. I think sometimes there is a little bit of that he takes a little bit too long. But, you know, that doesn't weigh out well with how poor the offensive line was at some points in the season and kind of the situation that put him in, you know, very much look at the the Cleveland Browns game. I think there's still more from Justin Fields to see, but that's a good thing. I mean, I I don't think that Justin Mm -hmm. Fields goes backwards from here. I think that he's making steps forward. I would love to see him in this final game against the Vikings. I I would love to see Justin Fields on the field for one more time while here in 2022, but for the 2021 season. Um, I think that the whole point of making that Foles and Dalton technically have a better record is, like you said, when you put the wins into perspective, it just doesn't quite stack up. And there's there's other things that play into it, too. I mean, what, two of those wins have come in kind of like what I would necessarily call like garbage time in the season, especially for mm-hmm. non-playoff teams. I mean, these wins, these past two weeks, while they've been great because we've won, they literally mean nothing. 
Um, yeah. And you and, need to and, question if the outcome would be differently. Do, uh, do I think that Justin Fields would have lost the games versus the Lions and the Giants? Hell no. I think that the quarterback, no. I think that Andy Dalton did almost everything he could to potentially lose that game. Andy Dalton almost threw like four <laughs> picks in this past game. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think that, you know, Fields has not been perfect. Um, I can't say that I've been completely overwhelmed with confidence um, about, you know, what he can do in the NFL, but I do think that there's not really much being done for him right now. Um, just the style of offense that is being run. I'm not saying that Justin Fields is someone that constantly needs to be doing RPO this, that, and have a, an offense tailor made to him like Lamar Jackson. But at the same time, you know, there's just, he hasn't had the time to do what he does best. And we've been saying that since the beginning of the year is throw deep passes. Yeah, you know, exactly. When, when you don't, when you have something that's restricting your best asset or your best characteristic, um, and we knew this when we drafted or when the Bears drafted him, it, it's hard to fault a guy when he can't really go out there and do it. And then he's being asked to, you know, at times run an offense looks similar to what Trubisky was being asked to do. It's just mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't quite, you know, mesh. And I think that really when you think about how this year has went for Matt Nagy and the Bears, it's really tough to do any kind of judgment for most people on the offensive side of the ball. You know, it it doesn't stop with Justin Fields. It goes on with someone like Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery. I mean, what, are we going to trash David Montgomery for throwing a pick? No, that was a (laughs) terrible play call. (laughs) You know, I mean, come on. It's just you have to really take a a step back, I think, uh, in what we're looking at with Fields. And I don't think we should necessarily lose any confidence. I think overall it was a, a decent season. I'm glad we got to see him play in some games and, now I'm excited to see what Fields can do in an offense that's built a little bit more for him. I think that the biggest thing with Fields is like he's given even given the issues that this team has had, he put the Bears in position to win a lot of games. He was he's not quite at the I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. We need to remember this. He's a rookie quarterback. You can't expect him to always win the game for the Bears. But he put us in position to win games, you know, when specifically when you look back at the comeback against the Steelers and the comeback against the 49ers, a lot of both of those games, which were essentially his last two games, not including the Vikings game, he his heroics put us in a position that we could win that game when we probably should have had no business being in either of those games. Yeah. With 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 and, and, and that's the thing is like. It's so rare to see a rookie quarterback be able to do that. And there's so many times where I like it, I had PTSD from having like Trubisky or Dalton or Foles or whatever trash quarterback Glennon. the Bears have had, <laughs> Glennon, where I'm like, okay, the moment's so big that we're inevitably going to just throw a pick and this game's going to be over. And Fields never fell to that. Another thing that I see some fans are criticizing Fields is they point to his stat line. So you know what I did before this podcast? I actually watched back and found every single Justin Fields interception. Okay. Let me tell you this. Seven of them hit a wide receiver dead in the hands and it in, and it got, or sorry, four of them hit a wide receiver dead in the hands and they deflected and three of them were batted down at the line causing an interception, which are a lot, which is a lot that you can, uh, that's something you could build off of, you know, like, like if I'm having a rookie quarterback throw 10 interceptions, that's the way I want him to do it. 
you know, obviously you hope there's no interceptions, but it's like to have so many be just deflections and, and have his final stat line being that he threw less interceptable passes than he actually had interceptions. That's incredible, man. Like, I, I think that's, I think that's great. The issue with fields is you want to see him score more, you know, like he, he needs to score more. And this is a consistent issue that we've seen out of all of Matt Nagy's offenses is that they just can't score. Look at the Lions game. Justin Fields threw like how many deep passes? I think he threw like five passes beyond 40 yards and completed them. Yet he has zero touchdowns on the day. If there's if, if there's not a stat line more uh, reminiscent of Matt Nagy's coaching tenure, I don't know what is. I, I think that just for, I mean, not only for a rookie, but for a, a football player in general, I mean, it's such a confidence boost to, to get it into the end zone. And, you know, unfortunately, like you said, a part of Matt Nagy's offense has just been the teams flat out just can't punch it into the end zone when it finally counts. And it's kind of a little bit of a blow to your confidence when you constantly have to send someone like Cairo Santos out there to try to kick a field goal, and especially when it's a, a 35 or, or 38 yarder when you probably should have been getting that ball, you know, deeper into the end zone. So I, I think that, you know, for someone like Fields, I, I'm really excited for that first game and it's probably more than likely going to happen in 2022. Um, well, it's definitely going to happen in 2022 where he can go out there and throw like four touchdown passes. It doesn't even have to be yeah. that he does it with 400 yards. Like he can do it with 200, but get him yeah. in position to throw four touchdown passes or, you know, three touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown, two and two, you know, one and three. I don't care. But, you know, that first kind of game where he's able to get four touchdowns, I'm going to be real excited for him. And I think you'll see a lot of confidence just kind of flourish from there. You know, I, not that he's someone that lacks confidence to begin with, but still. Yeah. And in the past, in Fields' past three starts, think about this. This is unheard of for a Bears quarterback. In his past three starts, he had, sorry, past four starts, he has averaged two, uh, he, he has put up 975 passing yards. He's averaging over 300 scrimmage yards a game over the past four starts. Like, what bear that's well over 4,000 yards if you actuate that over an entire season. Like, <laughs> we've never had a 4,000 yard passer, uh, let alone someone who can. I mean, he, he, he's been doing well, he's been doing well over the past couple games. I just I think that a lot of people on Twitter just have these unrealistic expectations on a quarterback that has one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL and a play caller that is just god awful, never had a good offense. Yeah, I almost think that like Justin Herbert's almost like ruined that too because he just had like such a good like year one and year two that people think that Elias Corex can just hop into the league now. But yeah. realistically, like most quarterbacks very much struggle their first year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if they do really well their first year, then they have a, a sophomore slump that's pretty significant. Look at Lamar so, Jackson. He didn't look that great his first year. He looked terrible. I was yeah. laughing at that man. Honestly, I, I thought that I was like, this man's not going to survive a down. I remember he played that playoff game against the Chargers yeah. and like, fumbled the ball like five times. Yeah. I was like, what is this man doing? And now that you bring that up, that that is the one thing I want to mention. I think that the the biggest criticism you can have on Fields. I don't think it has to do with him being a passer at all. I think he's actually a really good passer. I think that your biggest criticism for him should be his ball security and uh, and taking us taking bad sacks, which is fairly typical from a rookie yeah. quarterback. But like those two things, like ball security, like getting the fumbling the ball or whatever it may be, like that's fixable. 
and so is taking bad sacks. If I'm if I'm given a choice of quarterback, man, like I'm I'm gonna bet on that. That's completely fine. I'll tell you, I feel way more confident in Justin Fields than I do in, you know, Trey Lance right now, and also uh, uh, Zach Wilson. Well, I'm just I'm tired of honestly the comparisons across the rookie class because I, I think that each one of these quarterbacks is so uniquely their own player that you, you can't you can't really compare them. I mean, comparing like a Justin Fields to a Mac Jones it is totally different. They are playing in two totally different worlds right now, and not because of their skill level, but just because the scheme is completely different. What Mac Jones is asked to do on the Patriots is completely different. We've hardly seen Trey Lance. I mean, we've seen Trey Lance for... Well, this uh, last game against the Texans, we saw Trey Lance. And yeah. Was not that good. <laughs> well, but see, the other thing is you'll hear the opposite perspective, though. I saw a lot yeah. of beat articles saying that Trey Lance did fantastic. Yeah. And every now and then you'll see you'll see such conflicting things on Justin Fields too. One reporter will say that he had a terrible game, the other one will say that he did great and he put the Bears in a good position. You know, and you'll see that Trevor Lawrence, I mean, unfortunately he's in Jacksonville, and I think we can yeah, pretty much leave been... it at that. And Zach Wilson too. <laughs> Urban is, Meyer is a head coach. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's tough to compare these situations, and you know we laugh, and you're like, oh, oh well, you know, Trevor Lawrence had Urban Meyer as head coach. Justin Fields got Matt Nagy as a head coach. <laughs> you know, like one of the worst possible situations as far as head coaches go. Mr. One Curl, winning season, Mr. Curl route himself. <laughs> one winning season and already proved that he couldn't develop one quarterback. So hey, 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 one winning season, but three seasons not losing. Three out of oh, four. Yeah. He hasn't had a losing season yet, bro, technically. <laughs> well, yeah, until until the, the – yeah. Until next yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until Sunday at about 3.30. Yeah, yeah seriously. Um, yeah, I mean, I just like – I think that there's a lot of old school Bears fans who are just I, – I feel like as time passes – like since we've really seen Justin Fields, they kind of revert back to their classic Bears fan mentality, which is like, oh my God, this is so bad. We're so bad. We need to redo everything. Um, just, just be happy for once. Like I'll tell you, I feel like 10 times the level of confidence in Justin Fields than I've ever felt in Mitchell Trubisky. Like even yeah. after, even after his good year with, uh, with Matt Nagy, I I think there was still a lot of questions uh, that were that we had on him, you know. But with I mean, with Fields, you know, I just I I feel good about him. I I would be really really shocked if Fields doesn't turn out to be at least a half decent NFL quarterback. And I think his ceiling is an amazing NFL quarterback. His ceiling is absolutely an amazing NFL quarterback, and I think that. Um, as someone that can potentially have long longevity for this team, he is someone that more than likely should break every single Bears passing record for yeah. this team. I think that I agree. setting, well, not I mean setting the expectations kind well, of over the pace but. over the pace of his last four games. If you put his passing yards, uh, if you actualize that over an entire season, he would already break the passing yards record for the Bears. 
Like he's in his rookie year in his past four games, which really with rookies, you kind of have to evaluate them based on their most recent, you know, set of games. Like I'm not going to judge fields based on his Browns game and bucks game. Cause that was like one of some of his first couple of starts, you know? Um, but he would already be breaking the passing yards record, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it, that's crazy. It doesn't take much for this team, sadly, but um, yeah, I, I think as far as season records go, career records, he's going to be someone that's, if if not having his name on at least a couple of them, is going to have every single one of them. I mean, let's just be completely honest. So Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we feel pretty confident here on uh, the Bear Necessities podcast. If you had a prediction next year for Justin Fields right now, right out the gate, I don't even have it written down or anything, but what are you thinking? How many <laughs> passing yards, how many touchdowns, what, how many interceptions, what are you thinking? Um, I think he can do 3,800 passing yards. Um. 26 touchdowns, 13 picks. Give me another six touchdowns on the ground. You know, I think that's okay. Doable yeah. for him. So I'm going to say 4,000 passing yards. I think he hits that 4,000 mark. I'm going to say of a, a similar, I'm going I'm to just do total touchdowns. So not like rushing passing. I think he'll hit that 30 touchdown mark. 13 interceptions, I think, is right. I, I think we, I think we have similar expectations for him. Yeah. Which I think, well, I don't know about the 3,800, but the 4,000 is most definitely a Bears record for passing yeah. yards. So there you go. There it is. All right. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, I think something we need to talk about now we're about to get into the off season, which I think is both our bread and butter. You know, both of us having uh, kind of a scouting background, film reviewing background, football background. Uh, we do a good job in the in the season, but I think we're really our bread and butter is this off season, kind of figuring out how the Bears can solve their issues. Um, who really are the Bears key pieces for this little retool that we're doing? You know, like I, I think people, some people think we need to rebuild. I disagree with that. I think it's more of a retool. Um, I know Zach will disagree with that significantly, <laughs> but, but, uh, who, who do you think really are the, are the key pieces that we're going to look at as young talent? That's going to become the leaders of this team going forward. Yeah. I think the one that jumps out of the page, Darnell Mooney. Um, I think he's your solidified yeah. offensive guy, someone that's you know, he could be your one at some point, but he's going to be a starting wide receiver, at least your number two wide receiver. He's um, been the one this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, I mean, he's been far and away the one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this team hasn't even had a second receiver. <laughs> he's been the one and there's been like a three and a four. They just, but, they just do one wide receiver sets every game. It's clear. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but I, I think Darnell Mooney for sure. And then I think you're, you're running back. I, I think that you have your one wide receiver there for sure. And I think Justin Fields, of course, kind of goes without saying. Don't really even want to address that too much. Very clearly, yeah. your quarterback's going to be one of the most important pieces. 
And I think your running back tandem of uh, Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, I think on the offensive side of the ball, I think that's really where it kind of runs out. And of course, you have your pieces in the offensive line. I think Larry Borum has been tremendous. So I think they need to Seriously. keep building building around him. Hopefully, Tevin Jenkins. Um and keeping a piece like, you know, Cody Whitehair around and uh, James Daniels, I think those are two people that are going to stay around, but maybe not key build around pieces. And on the defense, I do think that, you know, someone like Travis Gibson, I, I think, is a piece yeah. that you're ultimately going to end up building around. Roquan Smith absolutely goes without 100%, saying. I mean, yeah. He is a, a monster. Um, and given the contract that's that the Bears have with him, Eddie Jackson. Absolutely. Um, I think that, that that really rounds it out. I think Jalen Johnson, um, I don't know if he's necessarily a build-around piece. I think he's a, a steady force. Um, he's kind of your um, your peanut tillman of these eras. He kind of seems like you're constant in the secondary, mm-hmm. and, and we'll see what we get from everywhere else. But I think you know Roquan's your steadfast number one on that defensive unit. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned, you mentioned that almost every single person I have. I'll, I'll read off all my players. On offense, we, I mean, of course, Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery, Larry Borum. I think Tevin Jenkins, with the exception of his penalties that he's had a difficulty with, I think he's been good, man. I think he's been really good. Um, ideally, I would like to shift, and we'll get into a little bit of free agents later on in the show, but I think that it would honestly even be better if Tevin Jenkins can just go back to right tackle, and Larry Borum might even be able to go back to his natural position in guard, um, and then just get get a left tackle to fill that spot, but I think Tevin Jenkins, even at left tackle, man, I think he could be a good left tackle. I mean, with the exception of the penalties, he's been pretty damn good. Get him a good offensive line coach, and I think he could become better than Charles Leno Jr. who had a Pro Bowl year here, you know? <laughs> there you um, go. David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, of course. Uh, it honestly wouldn't even surprise me if we get once we get a new head coach in here, they tend to lean on Khalil Herbert for his explosiveness uh, out of that running back position. Uh, Khalil Herbert, truthfully, has exceeded all my expectations. Same with Darnell Mooney, man. I, I remember when we had this podcast I just said the Bears draft a little fast guy or, or sign a little fast guy every single year. I don't expect him to be any different. Boy, was I wrong on that. <laughs> I mean, he he has been incredible for this team. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say I'm wrong. He he's If he has 80 yards in this next game, he's going to have his first 1,000-yard season. I mean, just incredible. And especially as someone who's viewed as mostly a deep threat, he really has showed a lot of versatility in his game. I mean, he plays out of the backfield. He, he, you know, catches screen passes. I mean, he's just a good wide receiver. And he has pretty decent vision as well, truthfully. Um, And then on defense, of course, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson really is the equalizer. We don't have a lot of talent out of that cornerback position, so I don't think he's been able to lean on his interception ability as much as he was in 2018. Uh, But still, really good. uh, Growing as a tackler, for sure. Became much better as the season transpired. Had a couple key clutch tackles that prevented touchdowns on running backs, which is, you know, essential for a free safety position. Jalen Johnson, I'm going to give him a little more credit. I think he can be, he is a cornerback one in this league. If we can get him in a position where he can be a CB2, I mean, he's going to be one of the best cornerback uh, twos in the league, but I feel very comfortable running with him. Uh, he's just good in man coverage, man. I don't think we should ever expect him to be a high interception guy, but just someone that very consistently will prevent pass attempts. Um, just a good player, you know? 
And Bilal Nichols, I don't think you mentioned him, but I think that he he is our quote-unquote new Akeem Hicks. He has a lot of similarities to the way he plays. Uh, I don't want him to play the defensive tackle position. He's a much better pass rusher than he is in run blocking. Um, Man, I just... I, f- I feel good with Bilal Nichols, too. Kyrus Tonga, another young player. Thomas Graham, I think, even could be a good player. And, and of course, Travis Gibson. Uh, even if it's just him in a rotation, I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, I think Thomas Graham is someone that certainly has a question mark um, on them. I think that he could really develop into something. I'm I'm curious to see what, what he will develop into and kind of what capacity he will be used, you know, in this coming year. Um you know, outside of kind of those players you list, I think Blah Nichols, that was a good a good pickup as well. And I think there's a couple other players on that defensive line. It's just such a talented group that you could see someone um that is kind of a little bit more in the depth role right now pop up. I mean, perhaps Tyrus Tonga is someone that's really gonna develop into a kind of a mainstay on the team. I wouldn't be surprised, but it's not something I'd necessarily bank on either. So there's really uh, and Cairo Santos. No, <laughs> you know we're not. <laughs> Good point, and, man. He, I mean, he, even him and uh, uh, what's our punter's name? Damn. Um, he's actually a free Pat agent O'Donnell. This year Pat too. O'Donnell. Yep. Man. Uh, Another Ryan Pace fine. Both of those guys. I mean, they've been pretty good. You know who I need to actually give another piece of credit for? Damian Williams, man. He has been a stud on special teams. He blocked a punt Kinda this nuts. week. Yeah. Blocked a punt this week. And then he also uh, should have had a touchdown uh, on a blocked punt against the Packers. But somehow that got wiped away for no reason because apparently Kendall Vildor didn't get inbounds quick enough, um, which was just ridiculous. Don't even get me into that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised none of us said Tariq Cohen. Oh, man, I, I like Tariq Cohen, but I just, I worry. I mean, he hasn't played in two years now, you know? I'm kidding. I, I mean, with all due respect to Tariq Cohen, I, I, I said that as a joke. But, but we forget um, how good he was in 2018. And to, when used, even when in 2019, used yeah. When used properly, that's I the know. key. I, I I hope he can get back to it. But let's go ahead and move on, guys. I think there is a decent amount of young talent on this team, even though we technically are like the oldest team. We a lot of the the age is on our like supporting cast. You know, guys like Danny Trevathan, who isn't even a starter on the team. Um, I there is a lot of youth on this team, and and a lot of reason to be hopeful, but. Man, you're wearing a Michigan sweatshirt right now. I think we have to talk about the Bears rumors to be interested in Jim Harbaugh, uh, Michigan's finest at this point. I think he ended the season with over 75% rushes, uh, 25% uh, passing downs, which is incredible in college football, uh, made it to the playoffs. Stop talking. That's exactly why he doesn't need to be the coach of this team. I mean, come on. I just don't think that his... His mold fits, you know. I really don't think that what he wants to accomplish, what he's done, even what he's done in the past with the 49ers and what he's done with Colin Kaepernick, there's nothing that screams to me is this man needs to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> See, I, but you have to question, did John Harbaugh run so heavily on the run game because he wanted to or because he had to? Jim. So, uh, Jim Harbaugh, excuse me. <laughs> Because he had, I mean, probably a little bit because he had to. That's he's what also, I think it was. Like, I think he, I think he can pass. I, I, I don't think that he's like this old school John Fox. Like, we need to give Jordan Howard the ball three hundred and fifty times in the season. 
he prefers it to i mean he likes to he likes to grind it down and to a certain extent let's be real this is starting to come back in the football there's more teams that are doing this titans um, as far as really ground grinding the ball down because Tannehill the fact, has been not that great this oof, year he's yeah. terrible <laughs> um i mean when you look at it if you can establish the run game like that and you have the lead in the fourth quarter usually the game is absolutely yours you have the defense gassed and you're just you have them at will um so i think there's something to really be said for that um you know okay yes jim harbaugh can certainly pass and he can i think jim harbaugh is is a good football mind i don't know if he's absolutely top tier but i think he's a good football mind i think he has a good charisma i think he can build a good locker room as well competitiveness you know? He has he has his quirks, you know. He's kind of a quirky guy, and I think that kind of makes him a little bit more likable too, even from the players' perspective. Like, I think um, that players are kind of divided; they either love him or they hate him. Yeah, which is fair. Um, I, I think that you know, would he be the worst option for the Bears? Absolutely not. Honestly, if you're being real, he's probably if he's a serious candidate, he's definitely a top three candidate. And with the quality of coaches, you could very well make the argument that he's number one. It's kind of indicting on on the caliber of coaching prospects yeah. that are out there. But I think if you're if you're serious about, you know, making this next coaching hire be absolutely about making Justin Fields the best quarterback he can possibly be. I think you really have to ask yourself, is Jim Harbaugh really that guy? Maybe he is. I could be wrong, but I don't think so, personally. See, I've always viewed Jim Harbaugh as a better NFL coach than a college coach. And I think that there are coaches like that. Like, I would say, even though Pete Carroll did have a lot of success at USC, he's still definitely a better better NFL coach than a college coach. Wouldn't you agree? Really? No. Really? Yeah. I mean, he won. I mean, he was he won one Super Bowl, was in multiple Super Bowls. I mean, that those. See, I mean, maybe recently he was not as good, but like I mean, in the I, past, I look at, but he was an. I mean, I guess he was an elite college coach as well. Maybe it's a little hindsight. I, I bias. look at I look at USC from two thousand and two thousand seven as a top tier, absolute like football mecca. Like, honestly, I think right after the success of Miami and the U calmed down, it was all about it was all about USC at that point. And we're talking Carson Palmer, Liner, Liner, Reggie Bush. I mean, Glendale White. I mean, come on. Those are the names. No, you're right. You're 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 right on that on that front. But you also have to admit it's a lot easier to sustain success in college than it is in the nfl a hundred i mean a hundred percent that goes without saying so i i think maybe he's equivalent but i think jim harbaugh like when he got to michigan i i think that no offense to michigan i know you're a huge michigan fan and they they've done great with their program over the past since harbaugh's gone there truthfully i mean they've been a, a, a pretty decent program but like do you do you really think that michigan will ever be the program that that has it all that has it all. Yeah, that, that's a perennial championship winner. Oh, perennial championship winner. Uh, those days are a little bit behind Michigan. In all honesty, um, I, I think they certainly they could, they're a team big enough caliber they could win a national championship in the next ten years. Very I possible. Agree. I agree. Are they are they the next Alabama? Probably not. I agree with that. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. I think that I see their ceiling very similar to Ohio State ceiling, where it's like. Ohio State's been great over the past couple of years. They've kind of dwindled a lot, honestly, when you think about it with Ryan Day. I mean, Ryan Day's done a great job there, but as far as Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer was just a great 
college head football coach. I, I mean, maybe now he won't be. I don't know if he'll even get a job anymore. Um, but he he really did set that program up for success before he handed it off to uh, Ryan Day. Uh, whereas Jim Harbaugh really, I mean, when you think of Michigan when Jim Harbaugh came in, it just wasn't the same caliber program. If I, Oh, you're uh, talking about Brady Hoke. I mean, that's... Yeah. Most people aren't even going to recognize that at this point. Yeah. So, so anyways, I, I guess the, the the greater point before we go into a whole college football you know, <laughs> conversation is that you know I think where we would see Jim Harbaugh is either going to be a great NFL coach again or a terrible one. I think he can pass. <laughs> um, it's really a boomer bust candidate because he is really a hyper competitive individual. He builds a good culture. And when you're talking about a team like the bears that has, I, I just, I feel like Nagy never truly built the culture maybe in his first year, but like after that, like it ran really stale. Like I just felt like certain things that he did were just not in competitive nature. And when you're talking about a coach that could potentially get more out of a team than they probably should, I think Jim Harbaugh is a good name. That being said, his scheme is not a supreme one. You would need to pair him with a really good offensive coordinator. And we need to figure out, is will his ego get too... Will he get too much into his head that he can't even, you know, allocate those duties to an offensive coordinator um, that will just take full control of the offense? And then what sort of stability... What sort of instability will having an offensive coordinator that isn't the head coach, that's the main mind behind the offense, uh, bring to the scheme. I think it's kind of similar to Pete Carroll's hiring with the Seahawks because Pete Carroll was never really like the true offensive or defensive mind. He was just a winning coach. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's mentality. I mean, that's that's really what it is. And, you know, I don't think Jim Harbaugh's not someone that's short of confidence. Neither was Pete Carroll and... Um, well, probably neither was Nick Saban when he headed into the into the NFL with the Dolphins. But, um, <laughs> Good point. You know, it, it's college coaches are always a little bit of a gamble, but when you look at Jim Harbaugh, he's I almost kind of look at him in the opposite way. He's kind of an NFL coach that's in college. Yeah, that's at least the way it seems to me. So, yeah, Good I point. definitely yeah. I mean, for the people that have him at the top of their list, absolutely, I don't blame you. Um, I do think for. You know, I think maybe a Byron Leftwich would be a bit better of a choice. But hey, we've talked about the coaches so much in like the past couple of weeks. I'm almost fairly burnt. We haven't gotten to the full coaching swing of it, but I'm still like, oh man, <laughs> I, I don't even know. I, I agree. Know. All right, really quickly before we get into the Vikings preview, uh, we wanted to do a topic on the four key free, realistic free agents that the Chicago Bears could potentially get in 2021. I'm gonna read off mine, man, and then you read off yours. Uh, first off, Teron Armstead. I think that he will end up getting free from the Saints because I think the Saints are heading towards a little bit of a rebuild uh, that's going to take a little bit. Uh, I think if you get him at left tackle, that'll really sure down the left side. You can shift Jenkins to right tackle, bore him back to guard, and then potentially white hair back to center. But look for another draft pick because I don't know if I'm too sold on the guard combination of white hair and Daniels. I think both of them have had pretty ter- pretty bad seasons, even though Daniels will one week like have this like insanely high PFF grade. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm just not sure about anybody. And I think just throwing a bunch of money and draft picks at, at the offensive line is what the bears need to do this season. Mike Williams. We're going to let a Rob walk almost certainly. 
Williams, he's a deep threat, even though he's not super speedy, but I think he really would solve a lot of the issues that the Chicago Bears have with, uh, as far as having a dude that can just box out, have good catch radius. I mean, the man catches touchdowns for a living. So why don't you give me your two, and then I'll go back to my last two at the end. Okay, the first two guys I had down were um, an offensive lineman guard, Austin Corbett from L.A. Rams, currently on there. Um, Probably, you know, I'd say of the starting guards, I'd say he's in the top half. He's not someone that's absolutely elite, um, which I think makes him attainable for this team. And and like you said, it's kind of the same mentality that, hey, not completely sold on the guard tandem that we have right now. I think we could do a bit better. not a stunner, but I think he's a good quality player that would bring some consistency to the position. And then my second one, actually on the defensive side of the ball, had Desmond King, someone that uh, I saw play at Iowa, also saw you know play for the Chargers as well, and a, you know very speedy kind of guy, someone that plays can honestly play all over in the secondary. I think he plays that slot corner role the best. Can also bring you some real valuable value on special teams. Bears may or may not need that, whether or not they keep Jakeem Grant or not. Um, but someone that brings multiple value, multiple places, I think he's also a good cover corner. He actually made the Pro Bowl for defense as well. So someone that's pretty good and I think can give you – a lot of my players were kind of a little bit more – they're not huge splash players. I think they're kind of more complementary players. Uh, but at the same time, in my opinion, good fits. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And my last two guys, Dante Fowler Jr. I'm sure a lot of Bears fans hate him because he was a total, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm not even going to use the word. He was a he was a jerk to Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, oh, if no. you don't remember that. And honestly, I kind of like that mentality. I wish this Bears team had some more guys that were just more aggressive in their mentality. Uh, I think that's something that really separates Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack um, from other guys on this defense. It's just their 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 mentality that they have. Um, and then also Rasul Douglas, man. I, I know he's not a big name, but he has filled in so well for the Packers in the absence of Jair Alexander. I think having him as a potential number two cornerback option would be pretty good. And he's athletic. You know, he's he's just played well, man, even though he's an undrafted free agent. Another name you could potentially put in there is Carlton Davis, but he's going to be worth a lot more than someone like Rasul Douglas. Yeah, I know. I know Rasul Douglas, at least, too, is I think he's generated a good amount of not necessarily buzz, but, you know, people have definitely taken notice to kind of the work that he's been doing at that corner position. He'll get a contract north of $5 million this year, which is pretty good for yeah. a corner. Which is fair, too. I think it's fair price for him. Um, I, I think uh, my last two players were a pair of wide receivers, um, Jalen Guyton from the L.A. Chargers, um, someone that, honestly, in my opinion, he just resembles a receiver that – that I've seen Fields throw to in the past, being like receivers at Ohio State. I think he's got the same kind of body, makeup, and the same kind of skill set as ability to run to a point on the field, get pretty deep on, or get open on deep, deep routes and those kind of plays, and can stretch the field. And I think that's someone that Justin Fields loves to throw to. And my last player just tore his ACL, so he's <laughs> perfect. Um, and that is Michael Gallup. I think if he does hit the market, um, then, you know, he, you might be able to get him on a steal. There's not, it's definitely going to scare off quite a few teams that he tore his ACL. Um, 
the Cowboys might come with a similar line of thinking and just re-sign him to a pretty small contract to keep him in and also knowing what he can do. Um, but I do think that, you know, when healthy, when he gets back and confident, confident in today's medical and, and surgery these days, uh, I feel like he could get back and especially be on a very nice, cheap contract and, and be a very quality player as well. Kind of similar to Chris Godwin. Obviously, Chris Godwin's a bigger name, but uh, – same thing that the Bears did with Allen Robinson. Got him on a really good deal because he tore his ACL. Maybe they're willing to bet on that. The only concern I would have uh, for that guy is uh, how quickly can he come back? Can he be ready by the regular season, uh, the start of the regular season or not? Um, I don't know if that's a sure bet. I, I wasn't necessarily putting right. that into my line of thought just as so much for the future, but I think if we're banking on him being back for the whole season of 2022, yeah, maybe take a pass on him then. Yeah. We'll have to see. All right, man. Let's go ahead and really quickly get out this Vikings preview. I know this is a longer podcast episode. We thank you guys for staying with us. If you're still here right now listening to my voice, please leave us a five-star rating and review. I'm telling you guys, it helps us tremendously. Like, it's crazy. Every single time we get a five-star review, and we will read off what you say on the podcast. Um, so, it, you know, it, we, we try to give back to you guys as much as we can, and uh so yeah, leave us a little review. Leave us a funny review. Uh, we love reading them off. Uh, give us a little bit of takes on your bears, and we'll, and we'll go ahead and read them <laughs> off uh, at the beginning of the next episode. But let's go ahead, Vikings. Um, I think it's still an if whether or not Kirk Cousins will play. Because um, yep. he... he re- <laughs> If I was a Vikings fan, honestly, I'd be pretty upset considering... Uh, he didn't, he was very anti-vax and, you know, you guys can make whatever decisions you want on that. We're not going to judge you. This is a football podcast, but, uh, he kind of got COVID at the worst possible time (laughs) for his team. I mean, you have to think that they were making a run for the playoffs or trying to get in the playoffs. And then he gets COVID like a day before uh, the last game. And then it's, or sorry, the, the second to last game. And then it's like, iffy on the last game, um, what do you think is going to happen, man? Sheesh. Uh, you know, I think that this is such an interesting game and try pick. We don't really know who's necessarily playing quarterback for either team. Um, this is being recorded on a, on a Tuesday of the game week, but mm-hmm. also it's the last game of the season between two non-playoff teams, so not really that big of a deal. Um, you know what? I'm thinking <laughs> hopefully we see Kellen Mond play. That would be interesting, at least oh, see yeah. a new fresh face. Um, Zimmerman made that kind of clear, though, that we're probably not going to see him, though. So <laughs> he, he was did pretty not flat seem out blunt fond about of Mond at yeah, all. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hopefully we get to see Justin Fields go out there and play. Yeah, my initial read is yeah, somehow the Bears are going to find a way to win this game. Ultimately, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, this is a Vikings team that basically just had their spirits broke this past week. I don't think they're caring too much about this Week 17 matchup. Um, and the Bears, well, the, the Bears are Bears, and they're going to come out and finish strong, and they're going to end this year on a winning streak. Um a little three-game winning streak to, to finish it all off and prove to 7-10. And, and uh, with Justin Fields in the game, I think they put up a solid 28 points. I think without him, they put up 21. Um, and I think the Vikings probably get 10 points on the day, and we'll leave it Dang, at that. Dang, okay. I mean, I'm going to do mine based on if Kirk Cousins plays. Uh, I think that if Kirk Cousins plays the final score will be around 31 to 17 without Kirk cousins. I think it's going to probably be around 31 to 10. 
three. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that Mannion would be playing. I mean, maybe maybe they can break the twenties if Cousins playing. Um, but without him, I, I don't see them getting much more than ten points. Yeah, Man- Mannion was re- was really bad, and, and even Kirk. Uh, Kirk Cousins is the weirdest QB in the NFL. He somehow manages to have a good stat line at the end of every year, but he just never looks that good in a game. Um, I think if Manning's playing, yeah, you're definitely like looking at 10, 14 points maybe at best. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Bears will – I think the Bears' struggles to get into the end zone will be resolved this game. I think they will get into the end zone, and I think that a similar defensive performance will happen to the last Vikings game. Um so, yeah, I, I, truthfully, I, I think that uh, this is going to be a pretty good game for the Bears. Matt Nagy is going to be trying to save his job. Hopefully he doesn't. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> with, with the kindest words possible. I mean. Yeah, nothing you know, against I Matt Nagy. He's a great we know person. We're talking, I know we're talking about a person, you know, and I, I don't wish for anyone to lose their job like that. But for the sake of sports, you know, you really just hope the three-game win streak and some meaningless games can't save him his job. Um, because well, that would be very unfortunate. Um, he'll be not a for great, Matt Nagy. Listen, but listen, for Bears. Matt Nagy will be a great offensive coordinator at Alabama next year. Um, <laughs> oh, geez, man! <laughs> so going the Steve Sarkeesian route and the the Dable route, you know, he'll be he'll be great there. I can already see him in the Alabama red, the crimson. Uh, <laughs> but I know some houndstooth, you know. Yeah, seriously though, I, I really do respect. Matt Nagy as an individual specifically, like I gained a lot of respect for him, uh, especially with this Jeff Dickerson situation. And, you know, I, you can, you can tell that the players really like him. Like he's a good dude. Um, it's just certain, certain, certain things just don't work out. Uh, it's like, you know, one of those relationships where it's business like, is it's, business. yeah, yeah, exactly. As Migos would say, you know? <laughs> as Migos would say, business is business. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, the McCaskies, even though they may not treat the Chicago bears, actually they may overly treat the Chicago bears like a business. Uh, the football side of it would not agree that Matt Aggie is a good head coach <laughs> and uh, he should probably depart from the Chicago bears. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you guys being here again. Five star rating review helps us tremendously. Um, we'll have a post game after the next, after this game. And I'm sure we'll have a lot to say regardless of the outcome. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, thank you again for, for tuning in. And as always bear down. Right on, guys.